0: This is a podcast by The Business Times. Welcome to Wealth with BT. Learn to protect and grow your wealth in this monthly podcast series by The Business Times, hosted by BT Wealth Editor Genevieve Kwa. This episode is brought to you by HSBC
1: Asset Management. Hi there, I'm Genevieve Kwa. In this episode, we're going to talk about sustainable healthcare. You've heard of sustainability and in investments. Sustainability has become a big thing as more investors and companies are eager to help mitigate the environmental crisis and to invest in line with their values. Sustainable investments are closely associated with ESG, which is the investment approach that takes environmental, social, and governance factors into account. When it comes to healthcare in particular, sustainability involves careful consideration of dimensions that are part of the S or social factor. Among the important ones are affordability and access. Because really, healthcare that isn't affordable or accessible by the largest number of people isn't sustainable in the long run. Okay, let's backtrack for a couple of seconds. Healthcare spans a range of products and services such as drugs, vaccines, medical devices, inpatient and outpatient care, just to name a few. And of course, there is telemedicine. But what does sustainable healthcare mean exactly? Let's translate this into everyday practical terms. As a user of healthcare, I want to be able to see a doctor, get a diagnosis, and get treatment when I need it. I want my insurance or employer to help me pay for it with as little out-of-pocket expense as possible. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Almost everyone wants these things, but unfortunately, things really aren't so simple. In many countries, many patients are left in the lurch because they cannot afford a particular treatment or they are bankrupted by the costs because their government or insurance refuses to pay or pays only a bare minimum. An investor, however, may have a different perspective. If I picture myself as an investor and apply the ESG lens, I'd want my healthcare investment to do as little damage to the environment as possible and to reduce its carbon footprint. In the social and governance aspects, I'd expect the companies in my portfolio to pursue ethical practices in testing drugs, for instance, and to make sure there is diversity in their hiring and on their boards. And I'd be happy if the companies in my portfolio charge high prices for their drugs and have fat margins because I'd get better returns. But this takes us to a dilemma. High healthcare costs may generate good returns for providers and investors in the short run. But if payers and patients cannot afford it, then perhaps the healthcare companies really are not sustainable in the long run. They may need to cut prices substantially to get sales, which means they may not recover the costs as quickly as they expected. One good example of this is the new Alzheimer drug, Aduhelm, which has been estimated to cost the U.S. Medicare as much as $29 billion U.S. billion. Apart from the controversies around it, payers for the treatment, like governments, are also daunted by the costs. Biogen, the pharma company behind Aduhelm, has slashed the estimated annual cost of taking the drug by half. Healthcare is a vital human need, regardless of nationality or economic status. Among the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, it is goal number three, which aims for healthy lives and well-being at all ages. But in healthcare, there seems to be a conflict or a tug-of-war between the goal of maximizing profits and ensuring affordability and access. The truth is, all players in the healthcare value chain cannot ignore the issues of access and affordability. How they address these issues will be key to their success in the long run. In fact, we may need to see change in the operating models of companies in the healthcare value chain. They need to transition from a price driven model to value driven healthcare. This is because payers for healthcare and governments are a big payer increasingly refuse to pay very high prices for drugs and treatments. Globally, government finances are stretched because of the health and economic strains of COVID-19. And so national budgets for healthcare are under pressure. Even insurance companies are under pressure because as costs of treatments escalate, Very high claims could actually bankrupt them. This trend towards medical cost control is already apparent in Singapore, where the health ministry has been vigilant in its efforts to ensure the long-term sustainability of private health insurance. These are the integrated shield plans under the CPF umbrella. While insurers can raise premiums to cover losses, there is a limit to how frequently they can do so. It's certainly in no one's interests for insurance plans to become unaffordable and unsustainable. That is why over the past two to three years, SHIELD insurers have enforced certain controls over costs and treatments. For example, riders now must have a 5% co-payment by policyholders to prevent overconsumption. Policyholders are also encouraged to use a pre-selected panel of doctors or get pre-approval for treatments. The health ministry has also stepped up to dampen the escalating costs of cancer treatments. Cancer therapies can cost several hundred dollars a month. Immunotherapy can cost over $5,000 a month. Not many people realize this, but Singapore pays more for cancer drugs than some other countries like Australia and South Korea. If nothing is done, our spending on cancer drugs is expected to grow to $2.7 billion by 2030, more than seven times the spending in 2019. Last year, Singapore started to draw up a positive list of cost-effective and clinically proven drugs, which will be included in the national health scheme MediShield Life. The objective, as the government has said, is to include therapies that provide I quote, good outcomes at affordable costs. Eventually, private shield schemes may have to comply with this list as well. So far, so good. As at August 2021, the MOH has managed to reduce cancer drug costs by as much as 30%. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via
0: the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. You're listening to Wealth with BT with Wealth Editor Genevieve Croix. This episode is brought to you by HSBC Asset Management.
1: The practice among drug companies of charging as high a price as the market can bear reflects the traditional working model of big pharmaceutical players, which seek to routinely raise prices every year, even twice a year in the biggest market, the U.S., These companies spend billions of dollars to develop products in the hope that when the drug is commercialized, they can charge high prices, and the drug becomes the winner for profits. This has worked well for many years. But the tide may be turning. Increasingly, drug manufacturers have to ask this big question. Who will pay for such costly treatments? Healthcare spending in the U.S. has risen as a proportion of GDP from 10% 10 years ago to 18% today. Singapore's spending on healthcare has also risen substantially and is expected to rise further as we have an aging population. The bottom line is that governments are increasingly scrutinizing and rejecting costly therapies or setting limits on how much to pay for them. In certain parts of Europe, governments are refusing to reimburse some of the latest cancer therapies because of costs. That certainly sounds familiar because the Singapore government is also negotiating the price of cancer therapies. No matter how innovative, expensive treatments will become unaffordable without government subsidies. In many countries, access and affordability in healthcare also reflect Big wealth divides, and this is a serious social and public health issue. In Australia, according to research by HSBC Asset Management, less than half of cancer drugs approved by the FDA and EMA are reimbursed. In Italy, around 8 million patients spend their entire savings on medical expenses. The predicament in the U.S. is similar. Expensive cancer treatments saddle families with heavy debt and many are forced into personal bankruptcy. To help us understand sustainability in healthcare and why it is so important, we have here with us Dr. Natalie Fleury, Co-Head of Sustainable Healthcare Equity at HSBC Asset Management. Natalie, we've been discussing affordable healthcare and the need to transition to value-driven instead of price-driven healthcare. As investors in healthcare, is there a trade-off that needs to be made between profits and affordability? If companies prioritize affordability or value, what does this mean for patients? Would they need to sacrifice efficacy by going for cheaper treatments?
2: All patients want to have access to the best therapy to treat their disease. Nobody wants to have a second-hand or a second-best drug. There are many great and cheap generic and biosimilar drugs on the market, and in many situations these represent the best therapy. But there are also situations where these are not the best choice and where patients need access to the latest available innovation or therapy. Pricing these therapies out of reach for patients to access them does not help the company nor investors. Savvy companies do conduct a health economic assessment of their therapy to determine how a clinical benefit translates into a price, so to speak, to achieve an acceptable price for a payer. So the insurances or the governments who in certain countries are taking over these costs. However, Companies that follow the old playbook of maximizing price in the belief that this will maximize their revenues are increasingly facing dire consequences due to denial of reimbursement by the payers. No reimbursement or heavily restricted reimbursement means poultry sales. That is the worst scenario for an investor. So an investor does not need to make a trade-off when investing into affordable healthcare as the alternative route of profit maximizing with a maximal price is becoming less and less attractive. The incentives and disincentives are there for the industry and for investors to pursue affordable healthcare. This is a change process for all stakeholders.
1: Natalie, what sort of research did you have to build from ground up? To get a better handle on the S or social implications of healthcare investments, has your model surfaced more potential investees that you may not have considered in the past?
2: Two factors are critical for sustainable healthcare clinical benefit and cost savings. Each company we invest in, we access on this basis and we only invest in companies which score positively on both aspects. We go deep into the clinical and health economics data and use these as input for our proprietary sustainability model. Information gained during engagement with the companies complement the data input into our models. Our approach has not necessarily enlarged the universe of companies we invest in. However, it has greatly enabled us to focus on companies which overcome access challenges better than others, be that because of the nature of their products, their corporate strategies or business model.
1: When we talk about sustainable healthcare… Technology or digitalization surely is a key enabler to enable not just access, but also lower costs. What do you look for in terms of innovation? I know you have stated earlier that innovation cannot be looked at in isolation. Can you elaborate on this?
2: You are absolutely right. Innovation, and that also includes telemedicine, is critical, but innovation per se is not. We see plenty of great innovative products which fail in the market because of access restrictions, meaning these companies have not done their homework properly when it comes to health economics and affordability. For an innovative product to be successful, physicians need to be able to freely prescribe a therapy best suited for a patient without constraints imposed by payers. That is only the case if payers deem a product affordable. Thus, addressing the social factors of healthcare is not a nice-to-have, but increasingly an imperative for success and a competitive advantage way beyond product innovation.
1: And we've just heard from Dr. Flory of HSBC Asset Management. Healthcare is a pretty complex issue, and every country will have its own framework and pressures in terms of costs and needs. For investors in healthcare, it would seem that there is great value in examining healthcare companies' business models and the priority given to the S or social factors. The balance that they strike between achieving profits and delivering value to patients will be key to their long-term sustainability. That's it for today's episode. Until next time, thank you for listening.
0: Wealth with BT is a monthly podcast series with wealth editor Genevieve Kwa. This episode is brought to you by HSBC Asset Management. That was a podcast by The Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Do note, all analyses, opinions, recommendations and other information in this podcast are for your general information only. You should not rely on them in making any decision please consult a fully qualified financial advisor or professional expert for independent advice and verification. To the fullest extent permitted by law, SPH Media shall not be liable for any loss arising from the use of or reliance on any analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast. SPH Media accepts no responsibility or liability whatsoever that may result or arise from the products, services or information of any third parties.